Are you a Syracuse athlete trying to figure out how to use your name, image, and likeness? Well, come on down to 3 Idiots and a Lawyer, where the prices are low, low, low. Why be a pitch man for the big companies like Nike, Pepsi, and Gatorade when you can help a little podcast by a group of alums? We can offer tens of dollars. So come on down to 3 Idiots and a Lawyer, where your stardom probably won't rise one iota, and you'll get enough money to pay for one of the two movie tickets for your next date. 3 Idiots and a Lawyer, help out the little guy. Offer not valid in any state, territory, or continent. Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer along with Joe Shell and Colin Lerner. It is the final episode of season one. I know we've been way, away a couple weeks uh, in early summer, little hiatus, um, but we did really kind of uh, wrap uh, everything in a nice, neat bow to end this first season where we covered the 20, 2021 college sports season and Syracuse sports season. And uh, that's what we're going to do today. But beforehand, guys, there's actually a lot of new things to talk about, especially in about the last week. We have uh, we're recording this on July 1st, the first day of name, image and likeness. Uh, So college athletes are now allowed to make money off of their name, their image and their likeness. Uh, we've seen one Syracuse football player right now uh, has a deal with a small video game company, uh, but uh, we're still waiting to see who else uh, is going to get their name out there. I saw there's an Ohio State lineman pushing candles. So, you know, I think we should we need to get an athlete pushing us out there. Uh, I don't know. Joe, you who do you want? Oh, well, it's, it's like I said off off the air. I think we can afford and should get whichever quarterback loses the positional battle in, in the spring. That's a great that's a great idea. I love it. I love it. Colin, you got ideas? I would like to see a basketball player who was a fan favorite, but maybe wasn't you know, a huge star in the court. Maybe like a, like a Scoop Jardine kind of guy. Maybe one of the like the walk-ons who would come in and hit a three and everyone would you know, lose their shit. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm voting for. I am going to say the new Bayheim just to upset Colin. Oh, God, man. Dude, I'd actually forgotten about that. Matt, you – oh, man. I had I had forgotten that Jimmy was a part of this team oh, until, so we, until we, you just we, said it. We get him to endorse oh, our podcast, God. but just for Colin, call it the Jim Bayheim family podcast. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, for Lord. all oh. things Bayheims, three idiots in a Bayheim. Oh my that God. family is going to be the death of me one day. All of us, all of us, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's it, that. I'll tell you though. I'm personally very happy to see this. I think it's going to be great for the college athletes and uh, good for for the sport in general. This all coming after, by the way, the Supreme Court tore the NCAA a new one last week. Made me very happy. Uh, because as anybody knows, we've talked about this before. I actually wrote a whole legal comment on the fact that the NCAA was crap. And uh, no, it was very good to see. Uh, they wrote that they they cannot limit how much um, academic benefits that and educational benefits that schools provide. So schools should now be able to provide things like laptops to athletes. They should be able to provide things like paid internships after their playing days are done, things like that. I think that's a real good positive for athletes and the sport in general. And Justice Kavanaugh, you know, put aside whatever anybody might think about this is listening to this, you know, Justice Kavanaugh wrote a 
concurrence where he just completely opened the door for the athletes to come back and said that um, the other things that weren't being challenged, uh, such as compensation, straight up said that those might would be illegal in any other industry and pretty much is inviting the athletes to come back and sue the NCAA again. So I hope they take them up on that because I would love to see the NCAA kind of torn apart here and um, everything can be better. So uh, there's those things. Oh I, yeah. I do want to say that I, I think this, this benefits Syracuse in a unique way because obviously this is compared to like schools that we would consider our peers. This isn't going to benefit our student athletes like it would at like an Alabama or like your really big name brand athletic programs. But I think Syracuse is in a unique position to benefit from this because we're kind of our own bubble as a community. And there aren't any other professional sports teams really in the area. The closest you have is, is, is the Buffalo Bills and the Sabres. But I feel like Syracuse is this unique little bubble where there's going to be lots of opportunities for athletes who aren't necessarily national stars to get endorsement deals. Like you're going to see the quarterback of the football team doing Bill Rapp Subaru commercials and stuff like that. And I I think compared to schools that are on our level, I think Syracuse is in a unique position and is a unique community where we're going to see a lot of kids get opportunities from this. And it's going to be a recruiting benefit, in my opinion. I, I think this is going to work out pretty nicely for us as a school in the long run. I think they get a lot of benefits throughout upstate New York um, because Syracuse obviously has a big presence in Buffalo, Albany, Rochester, mm-hmm. things like that. So those endorsement deals could go well beyond the, the direct Syracuse community, which I think is, like you said, Joe, I, I would agree. I think that could be a real benefit for Syracuse. The also absolute best part of all of this, just from a selfish standpoint, is that EA Sports College Football every year is going to be coming back now. It's been, what, 12 years since the last one was released? Uh, Denard Robinson was the last man on the cover of EA Sports. So I am beyond excited simply for that. I mean, all the other stuff is, you know, great too. So who goes on the cover? Uh, well, so it's not coming out until 2023, the next one. So, ah, so he's just a freshman right now. Yep. Got exactly. It. Yep. It'll <laughs> be right. whoever the like third running back at like Alabama is right now. <laughs> Will be the guy. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Uh, but so those are kind of the big national stories that are happening. And maybe later this summer, if we want to get deeper into the whole NCAA thing and revisit it, we can do that for sure. Um, But there is a lot happening just in Syracuse. The first thing we're going to have to talk about was an athletic article that dropped yesterday about Quentin Hillsman and the women's basketball program. And there's some pretty troubling allegations in here about Quentin Hillsman by a number of former women's basketball players. And a lot of these, it's very well reported. And a lot of these have multiple people agreeing that these events happened. It it was confirmed multiple times. And a lot of it essentially deals with what we would call bullying behavior of the athletes, Um, yelling at them. What it struck me as reading it is like psychological, verbal, mental abuse uh, and just creating a very negative atmosphere in the locker room and in the courts. Um, I think Joe was talking about when we were off the air about how um, apparently coach Q was saying, you know, I am a star after the 2016 final four run. 
kind of treating players like they're replaceable. Now, it should be noted, and I think this is very important, that some of his former athletes, uh, including Tiana Mangakaya, have since also come out in his defense, essentially saying that some of these allegations are by people who are unhappy about their playing time or or people who, you know, may have had other issues with the program and were lashing out or things like that. So, you know, Syracuse has opened an investigation and we're going to have to wait and see what happens there. But guys and Joe, I mean, what are you thinking as you look through this? It certainly could answer why 11 people headed to the exits at the end of this season. There's a few things that that make this extra troubling. Obviously, just the magnitude of the accusations themselves and the uh, number of people willing to corroborate some of these troubling stories. You go through that athletic article, which I think it was done by Dana O'Neill. I want. I think we should confirm who wrote that article just before we we wrap up. But uh, it, like you said, it was very well done. They were pointing out. This many players confirmed this circumstance. This many players confirmed this circumstance. So every time it was like seven or eight different players would be like, yeah, I was there. That happened for these very troubling incidents. Um, the the writers were Chantel Jennings and uh, Dina, uh, Dana O'Neill. So, okay. um, yeah, those were the writers for The uh, the Athletic. And, and, uh, but, yes, go ahead. Um, obviously, one of, one of the most troubling accusations involves some inappropriate touching. Obviously, there's there's no way to defend that or brush that off if that's true. And just the, you know, the general attitude of him seeming to have viewed himself as larger than the program. That's that's not how we do things. That's not that's not how we view things at Syracuse. That's generally not how it's ever been. So that's troubling. Um, putting this in the perspective of it was a number of years ago when it first came out that there were rumblings of Coach Q having some complaints of inappropriateness. That was multiple years ago, and then it kind of like went away and no one talked about it. And it kind of seems like, you know, there was some validity to those complaints years ago. And all it took was a, a good journalist doing doing a piece like this for it to come back out. And it when you put those two things together with the evidence that we can quantify of 11 players leaving the program in a single season... It just paints a picture that doesn't look good. And if they dig into this like they should and they find that these are valid complaints, then, you know, Coach Q has coached his last game at Syracuse and that will be the right decision at that point if that's if this is what's happened. So I just wanted to um, just mention some of the specific things because we talked – Yeah, I, I mentioned some things kind of broadly. So here are some of the specific things that were mentioned in this article. Um, he often threatened players, sometimes using vulgar language. Um, This is a quote, the way he threatened us, like we all knew he would never physically harm us, but he'd always be talking about beating our asses. Like I'll F you guys up. I'll F you up. It's going to be your ass. If you F this up, said one former player, more than 10 people described Hillsman acting in that manner at halftime of one game during the 2019, 2020 season, Hillsman went around the locker room standing before every player and saying to each, I don't give an F about you. Then he flipped the table. Seven people present recalled this incident. One player said she felt violated after Hillsman came up behind her and wrapped his arms around her, placing his hands near her pelvic region before brushing it off as a joke. Two others witnessed the uh, incident, or said they witnessed this. Uh, three women said they felt uncomfortable when after a discussion about playing time, Hillsman kissed each of them on the forehead. 
Hillsman allegedly created a staff position in 2019 and filled it with a longtime friend, Ronnie Enoch, who was dismissed from a previous coaching job after being accused of sexually harassing a player. Enoch subsequently made multiple Syracuse players and managers uncomfortable with his actions, including asking one woman if she was menstruating. And two players describe instances in which Hillsman refused their request for water after running Big Fives, a series of punishing sprints. One manager went uh, to offer one of the women water, but Hillsman pushed away the bottle. The player was literally gasping, the manager recalled. So those are some of the specific things. Um, I did want to put here, uh, Tiana Mangakahia uh, wrote on Twitter then, it's sad when you don't get what you want. Minutes, contracts after college, you accuse others of things to make them look bad. If only I exposed some of my teammates for how they treated me once I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, So um, she's coming out kind of uh, in defense of Coach Q, uh, another uh, person here. I'm just going to Julia, Julia Chandler, Julia Chandler. She writes, I am, I, Oh, this is on Twitter. Uh, I am, and will forever be thankful of the opportunity at coach Q at SU gave me, I'll, I do it all again without hesitation. I can only speak my truth. I cannot relate to some things that have come out against him. I think he's a good man and passionate coach. I stand by him. So, you know, make of all of that what you will, but obviously some of those things, if those are true, are really troubling. And if any or all of those are true, uh, I would agree with Joe. Coach Q has probably coached his last game at Syracuse and, and should if, if, if those things are true. The Syracuse University's statement was a little, you know, underwhelming. Flaky. Uh, which... Wow. What a, what a shock there. Yeah, it, it, it really does kind of, and I think I even mentioned to you guys yesterday, it, I'm kind of getting sick of Syracuse's really just not forceful statements about any of this stuff ever. I mean, I understand that you have to do your investigation and stuff, but, you know, Syracuse's statements just seem to be even more underwhelming, you know, than they have to be always. But Colin, you look like you, you've got some thoughts. So I want to let you jump in here. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's so tough. Um, as somebody, you know, completely from the outside who is obviously not in the program, it's really tough to just look at these kind of allegations and really kind of pull anything from them. Um, I think it goes further than he may have coached his last game. I think he absolutely has coached his last game, and I think that it's hard to argue with what the eight, ten people who have who are continuously saying this. Um, I think times have changed. I think that there's a lot of people who can look at this and say oh, well, he's just a tough coach, right? He is the, like, Bear Bryant of our era. But it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, Joe, I think that you hit the nail right on the head where you said a couple of years ago this stuff had come out. And then we started to win. And then it seems like it kind of got swept under the rug a little bit as we started to win. People got really caught up. Coach Q simply, or seemingly the most, got caught up in the kind of winning attitude. But five years later, this stuff is still here. It never went away. We just started winning and people stopped talking. And I think that it's while it while it shouldn't be this way, it is absolutely true that as a male coaching a female team, you simply have to carry yourself in a different manner. And it's just that it's just a matter of fact. And you have to just be more careful because your actions will be perceived differently. It's just the way that it is. And for somebody who has been as high profile a coach as he has, to completely ignore all of that kind of very obvious stuff. And to, I think the most damning thing here is that he essentially created a position for somebody who had been dismissed for sexual harassment allegations. You, you cannot do that. 
as the person put in charge of 18, 19, 20-year-old girls. You just, you can't do it. So I think that there's absolutely no kind of, uh, you know, will he, won't he here. I think he is gone, and I think that he should be gone. And it doesn't take anything away from all that we've accomplished, but, you know, he wasn't the one playing the game. So I think that our girls deserve everything that they have earned, and I'm excited to see what they can do with a new coach moving forward. There, there was also some some troubling other aspects we haven't touched on yet, like his general condescending attitude towards any female staffers, which is pretty upsetting for a uh, a sport, a women's coach. for a women's sport. Yeah. yeah. So I think if this all shakes out the way it looks like it's going to, and, and Coach Hillsman is gone, I think Syracuse really needs to go out of its way to find a qualified woman to take over the program and kind of steer it back in the right direction. I mean, has a woman ever coached at this program? I, I'm I not. Know. I know. I know. Uh, Coach Q's predecessor was also a man, so I, I'm sure yeah. at some point, but not. It's been a long time. Not recently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a lot of great, very qualified women coaches out there, and I think with what at least has been built, Syracuse has shown that it can be a very great and competitive women's basketball program. So I do think it should be able to attract a, a very good, qualified coach. Maybe an assistant at one of those top programs, UConn, Notre Dame, Stanford, Baylor, something like that. I'd love to see a, an assistant from one of those or or somebody who's climbing that coaching ladder and looking for that next big step. And So we'll see what happens, but just uh, very troubling. If you have the athletic, I'd highly recommend giving the article a read. As troubling as it is, it is really, really great reporting and uh, credit to those journalists who uh, something tells me they've been – working on this one for a while. Uh, very well reported. Good for uh, them for sitting um, on everything too and like getting this article yes. done the way it was getting supposed to. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Chantel, uh, Chantel Jennings and uh, Dana O'Neill, uh, the, the reporters there. So uh, give them a read. So let's uh, go to a little more positive news on the women's uh, athletic side. And uh, that is that the women's lacrosse team has hired Kayla Trainer as the head coach. She's 27 years old. She's going to be the youngest head coach in Syracuse and the youngest head coach of uh, the women's lacrosse program, which admittedly hasn't had that many head coaches. Uh, she was the associate head coach for the national championship Boston College Eagles. She's uh, an alum of Syracuse. She played very recently, was an excellent player, very strong coaching offense and the draw circle. She coached two Tawarton winners, this is a great pickup. She said she's going to emphasize recruiting and getting the pieces together to, um, together to get over that championship hump. Obviously, as an alum, you know that's going to be really important to her. And she has seen how to win because she was on the national championship team that beat Syracuse this year uh, on the coaching staff for that. So I think that's a really exciting pickup for Syracuse. Yeah, I think it's the right hire. Um I think that Syracuse was put in a very uh, unique position with Gary Gate leaving. And I think that they had to knock this one out of the park. And I think that they did. I know, again, time will tell. Um, But I think that we definitely got uh, the right woman for the job. Uh, The the only thing I will say about this is, wow, do I feel old knowing that I'm now uh, about to be three years older than the, um, you know, uh, woman's lacrosse coach. But, hey, I mean, um, I think that it is the right hire at the right time. Not and the youth add. actually might yeah. help. 
the youth might help. Uh, it might actually help with recruiting, having a young coach. And, and it does seem to be a sport with a lot of young coaches. I'd like to point out that uh, another alum, Michelle Tumalo, uh, who's around her uh, – just a, maybe two years older than Kayla Trainer just got the job at Army. So uh, it's Wait, Matt, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that having a eighty-something-year-old person come to your school is not a solid <laughs> recruiting tool? Uh, I well, it, it, it you can say you have a lot of experience, but I think <laughs> having somebody with a little more youth uh, uh, can be helpful in this era. So you know. Take that. Hey, we're trying to get the see what what Colin's doing here is trying to undermine getting the Bayheims uh, to endorse this podcast yeah. by making it look like I'm insulting them. But look, uh, let's uh, keep this rolling. Syracuse basketball. Justin Taylor is uh, a recruit that is now committed to Syracuse. Joe and Colin, you were following this a little closer. This guy kind of flew under the radar. He's from Charlottesville, Virginia. I guess he wanted to move away from mom and dad because he turned down an offer from the University of Smart kid. Smart kid. Yeah, he's seen, (laughs) you know, there's some mixed reviews on him with the different recruiting sites. ESPN has him ranked just barely in their top 100 list that just came out. But some of the other services have him closer to 60 and rising. Um, So this is exciting. You know, he's going to fill the the Buddy Beheim role in – in our offense and on our team when it's finally time for that change to happen and to that will be much to Colin's happiness to see one of the Bayheims move along. <laughs> I don't have any issues with uh, Buddy. Buddy is the one who is fine in my book. I have issues with the other two, but Buddy is but this, actually this kid, I'm gonna this kid fits the mold, you know, six, six shooting guard. Apparently his jumper is really a strong suit at this point, And hopefully he can bring a little more athleticism than what we've been seeing from that guard position. But, it's a good pickup, and it's always good to to see us take a recruit out from the backyard of one of our rivals because it seems to happen to us a lot with New York kids going to some other powerhouses. So Some of that might have to do with the number of kids in New York who are top-notch basketball players. So yeah. That we couldn't recruit all of them. Yeah, honestly, I mean, because there wouldn't. Yeah, be and I think things are heading in the right direction. This is the you know the beginning of a very very good class because Kamari Lands is going to be a top thirty or twenty recruit, and by when it's all said and done, it looks like uh, Justin Taylor could potentially be a top fifty. There so this early a... in the game for that cycle, I think we're in really good shape. If we can add one more kid of that caliber, I think we're golden. We're this getting... is this is twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. Okay. So I, I think, um, you know, if they can add one more, add a big man to that class, and we have a couple of five-star big men that are really considering us, if we can add one of them, uh, then I think we're in, in really good shape. And if we can add one of the point guards we're targeting for that class as well, then I think that's, you know, going to be the best class for Syracuse that we've seen in a real long time. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but these are the, the pieces to a class heading in the right direction that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that since the sanctions, really, that we have had a class that's looking as strong as this. And these kids aren't of the caliber where you look at it and you immediately go, oh, he'll never make it to campus. Yeah. I don't see either of these kids as one of those. Where like When Dior Johnson committed, I think we all kind of looked like, I don't think he's ever going to make it to campus. I don't see either one of these kids that way. I think, I think these are the types of recruits we should be going after. They're high-end, four-star recruits that that aren't going to jump ship for, for a different opportunity, hopefully. Also on the basketball front, uh, this was just reported at 4.30 today. 
Uh, Quincy Guerrier is withdrawing from the NBA draft. He will be playing next year for Oregon, uh, obviously transferring out from Syracuse. That stings. That, yeah, that hurts. That hurts. That really hurts a lot. That one was being reported by John Rothstein of CBS Sports. So, yeah, that one hurts a lot. Uh, but, I mean, good luck to him. I hope he does well, but that's really a shame that we couldn't have held on to him. And I hope Oregon features him heavily in their offense because otherwise he left for no reason. Like, if Oregon's going to let him, you know, play his perimeter game and take seven or eight threes a game, then by all means he can do that there if that's what he wanted. Yeah. I, I think I think the kid's good. He's a good player, and I think we're gonna we're gonna miss having the physicality he was gonna bring to our team. I agree, hundred percent. Is there any chance of us playing Oregon prior to the tournament next year? Not that I'm aware of. Fantastic. I saw we Great. we've got Indiana in the ACC, uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. That's going to be in the dome. Other than that, there's only like five other games listed so far. Two of them are against. Patriot League teams, Lafayette and Lehigh, to get the Lehigh. Apparently, it's Lehigh Valley year in the Cary Dome. Uh, I grew up five minutes from Lafayette, and Lehigh's 15 minutes down the road. I waited to see Syracuse play them my whole four years there, and never was even an option. Now they're playing them both in a year. I almost went but, to Lehigh. Almost went to Lehigh. They have a very good education school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my mom has her master's degree in education. Ah, look at there, that. So look at that. Yeah. Uh, so... Also, I uh, just want to loop quickly back around the lacrosse. Some really big news. The defensive coordinator for Syracuse is the former Johns Hopkins head coach from when Johns Hopkins was at its peak, which means that we have perhaps like the greatest lacrosse staff ever assembled. Yeah, the greatest is- staff ever assembled as far as them as players and as coaches. I mean, this is... Unbelievable. I, I mean, there were rumblings of this happening. We kind of heard that this is where things were heading, but for this to have it be official, to have arguably the greatest offensive player and defensive player in the sports history, to both be our coaches, both guys who have had great success as head coaches elsewhere, you know, Gary with the women's program and Dave Petromala with Johns Hopkins during their sunnier days as a lacrosse program. I think this is just as good as it can get, you know, obviously anything can happen. It might not necessarily work, but all indications. But the whole across world is excited. About we're it. getting the thumbs up from everyone. I think this, this is exciting times. And Dave Petromala's son is one of the top recruits. in he's, next year's recruiting I believe class. he's the top recruit. Yes. That was not lost on me. It was not lost to me. Hey, I mean, if there's a like coach on coach, like challenge, then we have this wrapped up. But yeah, I think that I mean this is again very similar to the uh, Kayla trainer hire. It's kind of the best that we could have gotten. I mean, other than us, really, Johns Hopkins is the only lacrosse program that could possibly be on that Mount Rushmore with us. So I mean, yeah, I have really nothing to say other than this is, could be fantastic. We could be talking about this ten years down the line as the you know time that Syracuse lacrosse became a powerhouse again. I think there's a really, really good chance that this is going to be that moment. The only thing we could retake our, it's like when Alabama retook its spot. Exactly. Yeah. Please be that. Please be that. If, if this goes well, I think common sense would dictate that coach Petromala wouldn't be with us for all that long because he'll probably get another opportunity as a head man somewhere. If this all works out the way we hope it does. 
But if he's doing that, then we've won three to four national championships, which, <laughs> I, which I am hopefully. fine with. You know, would, <laughs> if he comes here, wins two titles, and then leaves, then you know I will bid him a bond, you know, a fond farewell. Right. Well, guys, we delayed this show a day because there was some football news we were keeping track of, and that was a quarterback recruit. Henry Bielen, uh, Syracuse was very excited about him. He was one of Syracuse was one of his final choices. Unfortunately, uh, he chose to go to Duke today instead of Syracuse. I can't really say I'm overly shocked because the Syracuse quarterback room is pretty deep right now, and I would think a guy like that's got to be a little worried that with the number of guys who have a number of years left that he could get buried in a room like that. So I can't really say I'm overly shocked. Also, Dave Cutliffe, uh, David Cutcliffe has a very good track record with quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah I'm not surprised. Disappointing. Yeah, Go ahead. I, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, just, I mean uh, I'm with you, Matt. I'm not that surprised um, that he didn't choose to come. I, you know, I mean, it sucks, obviously. Um, but I think that we are pretty set in that room. Hopefully, I, you know, I say I think pretty set, you know, but I also thought that Tommy was going to be, you know, great the past two years. So it's hard for me. We have more me. options. Right. It's, it's hard for me to be sure about anything, but we definitely have the options. Yeah, Matt, you're right. We, we have the, the options to be a deep quarterback team. And, I mean, you were just telling us right before we actually came on air that it seems like Tommy DeVito seems to be kind of more comfortable in the pocket. Now, I mean, I think anyone would be knowing that they're not going to be running for their life after 0.6 seconds every single snap this time. But if, if that is the case and he is a more calm, controlled quarterback who can use his arm, then I think that we are, we're looking pretty good. Yeah, uh, and that's what uh, Dino Babers had said recently, that, um, that Tommy's happy feet seem to be going away, and then mentioned that with Schrader, you have a quarterback whose feet can be a real weapon. So, uh, and, and we talked about that. Schrader's very similar to Eric Dungy, and uh, that's why I still kind of think ultimately he's going to be what ends up what we're going with but uh we'll see we're still you know a month plus out from spring um, fall camp and then we'll see once things get going in the fall uh, we also did pick up a cornerback jeremiah wilson this guy's a real solid class of 2022 pickup from Kissimmee, florida he joins cornell perry as defensive backs who've already been picked up by syracuse he had some really good offers to iowa state he was going to be a real solid team this year Arizona, Washington State, Marshall, Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, so uh, among others. So Syracuse has a nice pickup there from Florida, a state that we didn't do real well this past year recruiting, so nice to see that we're starting to pick up those recruits from uh, the Sunshine State again. Can I throw in one more thing here, just because we're talking yeah, about Syracuse football? I want to give a quick shout-out to the uh, Nassib family, uh, Carl Nassib coming out as the first gay player uh, in the NFL and he is the brother of Syracuse quarterback Ryan Nassib so always happy to get a Ryan Nassib shout out as a you know on the podcast 100% Ryan Nassib great quarterback <clears throat> great quarterback and he if you want to uh, see quarterback he started with if you want to find out where we think Ryan Nassib stacks up in the grand scheme of all-time Syracuse quarterbacks go all the way back to our very first episode where we talk about the greatest quarterbacks in school history Greg Paulus <laughs> hey, actually, he gets mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I know. I will tell I you, he gets mentioned because statistically, he is up there because it's very hard to complete. I think his completion percentage was like sixty-eight or seventy that year. I think he's our all-time leading 
completion percentage quarterback in a single season. So he gets mentioned. Yeah. He's it, in there. <laughs> it would be interesting to see what Greg Paulus would have done if he had more tools around him. And that would have been – and if he hadn't sat out for as many – If he had been a football had, player for more than a year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, one more Syracuse uh, piece of information here. Carmel Anthony uh, is receiving the inaugural Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Champion Award from the NBA. So oh, very cool. Very exciting uh, to see a Syracuse player – getting uh you know and Syracuse's most notable player in the NBA right now getting uh some recognition we also have a player who's going to the uh, Olympics uh, our uh, our player on the Detroit Pistons uh, Jeremy Grant who, Jeremy Grant Jeremy Grant there you go Jeremy Grant is going to be on the Olympic team for who so, Canada no for the US yeah. U.S. Really? He was, an, he was an NBA all-star this year. He put up really big numbers on a really I mean, bad I team. I knew that I knew that he was having a great year. I didn't know that he was, uh, like, Olympic team worthy. But that's awesome, man. Good for Jeremy. Yeah, yeah so we'll see if we can uh, bring a, he can bring another gold medal home for Syracuse in the United States. Uh, Olympics start up at the end of, uh, end of this month. Uh, they'll be going on over in Tokyo. And so we wish Jeremy good luck. And in a later episode, we'll see if there are some more Syracuse athletes for the United States or around the world, and we'll make sure to give them a shout-out as well. Maybe we can get Jeremy to be the guy who uh, talks up our podcast. Well, that mm. then that's we got to deal with an NBA agent then. <laughs> uh, that That's a lot of effort. I don't know. It's right. But, we have uh, a lawyer on staff. Hey, Jeremy, congratulations on the contract where you make $14 million a year. Would you <laughs> yeah. like $25? <laughs> Maybe he would because that would be – it would be so ridiculous to offer 25 bucks. Just don't just don't let him listen to this episode where I forgot his name for a <laughs> <laughs> uh, But uh, unlike that guy, my name is Jeremy Grant, so he never forgets. Listen to Three Idiots and a Lawyer. Let's just do a quick look back, though, at the 2020-2021 season for Syracuse Athletics, since this is our last episode of the season, and we're going to close out uh, this season uh, and start anew in a couple weeks, or, or maybe next week. I don't know. It depends how we're feeling. But uh, we uh, let's just kind of look back at kind of like the highs and lows. This was, and I noticed when we were talking a couple weeks ago, this was a rough year for Syracuse Athletics. It really was. Yeah. You had a basketball team that was underperforming and was on the bubble. You had a women's basketball team that underperformed. You had a men's, ba- uh, a men's lacrosse team that was just atrocious most of the year. Got blown out a ton. And you had a football team that had its worst season in, in 15 years. Uh, only winning one game. I mean, this was rough. The The highlight was the women's lacrosse team. I have said many times that we chose to start a podcast in the absolute worst year for Syracuse sports. Although, what I will say about all this, and I think this kind of goes into what, where you were going, Matt, with my kind of highs and lows here. While this was an absolutely miserable year for Syracuse sports, it was also a miserable year for everyone else involved. Um, and I don't want to take the kind of low-hanging fruit here, but I have to say my high was really just watching sports at all during everything going on. While it was miserable and while we sucked, it really kind of gave me something to do. And coming on here and talking to you guys every week gave me something to do. So I absolutely loved our, you know, kind of incoming freshman running backs really kind of giving me some hope. I loved our defense really stepping up. I loved Andre Sisco while I had him. 
So all of those would kind of be my um, highs moving forward. I think that while it was absolutely an abysmal, abysmal year, um, if you were to step back and take out all of the emotions from it, I think that really Syracuse did a fantastic job with COVID. They did a fantastic job putting a product on the field and um, that they should be commended for everything that they did this year. Yeah, really, if you think about why why, and when we started this podcast, it, it really wasn't long after um, the ACC tournament didn't happen. You know, we had that last game where we had a great performance against North Carolina. And honestly, that feels like years ago. Yeah, years ago. It was about a year and a half ago, not even. That feels like a different lifetime. And we were able to start this podcast because of all the free time we had as a result of the pandemic. We finally got down to doing it. So that's the silver lining there. And then, you know, the first major sports season that we had as a podcast was having to talk about just an abysmal Syracuse football season. Um, But sure, in the context of the pandemic and Dino was on the record saying like, how close we were to not even being able to legally field the team. So I kind of give all that a pass. It's like Colin said, we were able to watch Syracuse sports and come and talk about it together and actually have some other people who we don't know decide to listen to us talk about it on purpose, which is more than I could have ever imagined would happen. (laughs) So that's all great. I think the high point and the low point are very close together near the end of this stretch, surprisingly, as bad as it started. Because to me, the high point is the brief little tournament run that we had because it was a little reprieve from from the, the losing and the sadness. And it doesn't matter if you're a 8 or 9, 11 seed Syracuse team just scrapping together wins in the tournament when people don't think you can or will or whether you're a one seed going on a relatively deep run. When you're sitting in front of the TV or you're sitting in the stands and those games are going on, you're just as excited either way. You're just as happy to be representing your school and watching the team represent our school. And and those are great times, and those are always my favorite sports memories. So I think the tournament run was the high point. And the low point right after that was just the lacrosse season in general because, sure, the football team was worse, but... The lacrosse team is where once you get through the disappointing football season, you get through the disappointing basketball season that we kind of say, well, we know lacrosse can win a championship this year. They almost did it last year. If the season had happened, and let's hang our hat on the men's lacrosse program because they have the talent to do it. And to have that talent team turn into an abysmal season where we just got blown out more times than we'd ever seen them get blown out before. It was just such a bummer that to me that's the low point because it was just sad and hard to watch and it it hurt. That that one hurt the most. But um, I'm excited for what's next for, for Syracuse Sports and for us to, to watch it and talk about it. Yeah, and one of the next things we're going to have to talk about is going to be the basketball tournament, which is fast approaching at the end of the month as well. And that's going to be uh, – I think there's a lot of real uh, that's a, they've got a great team together that could make a run in that. I know they, they had a slightly early exit last year that was disappointing, but I think uh, they put together a real nice squad for the basketball tournament this year. And it won't have to be in a bubble. There won't be all this craziness that existed in last year's tournament. Yeah. Uh, I heard uh, Chris McCullough's coming back. There you go. 
that's uh, yeah. that's great news. That's uh, that's really good news. And um, but yeah, I, I would agree with Joe. I mean, lacrosse season was certainly extremely disappointing. As a football fan, for me, I mean, just I think it was not the fact that Syracuse was losing; it was how they were losing. It was reminiscent of the Greg Robinson era for a brief moment, and uh, that was pretty bad. And I think just coming just a couple of years off of a ten-win season. That's not how we expected things to unravel. And uh, to go from 10 wins to five to one just hurts. And uh, hopefully that was a aberration that will go away, uh, that, 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 you know, they'll bounce back. I think they certainly can. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but. Uh, and then as for, I would agree with Joe. I mean, I think uh, watching the men's basketball team have those three weeks about that were just, they played better in those three weeks than they did the rest of the season put together. And it was just a lot of fun because they, they played their way in and then they played their way to the sweet 16, which we've seen them do that before. And uh, they proved my doubts uh, wrong. I think I had them losing in the first round. So um, I'm glad they proved me wrong. And, and, you know, like, again, I, I just want to point out the women's lacrosse team just, you know, that was fun to watch them in that tournament. I remember watching the end of that Northwestern game in the final four, and it was just a lot of fun. And and I don't know if any team had as much fun on the Hill this year as uh, them. They had some great uh, celebrations <laughs> to watch. Uh, of course, they had a lot to celebrate. So because uh, they weren't just winning, they were trucking teams uh, a lot of times. So. Uh, it, it was a, it was an interesting sports season up in Syracuse and let's just hope that 2021 and 2022 bring a few more positives and uh, a few more wins for some of these programs and uh, that, you know, there will be brighter times ahead in the dome. It will certainly be better having fans. I'll say that. Yeah. I would just like to be less angry going forward. Personally, I it would be it'd be it'd be really nice if, if Syracuse sports could lower my stress level, you know, a little bit. I I I know that that that's a huge ask, but it would be really great to you know have them help out my blood pressure a bit. But if we're gonna be angry, at least this year we'll have the opportunity to be angry together with a couple of beers in the dome. Exactly, I can I can be there watching our team get you know run over for four hundred yards. God, God forbid <laughs> that happen. Um, well, don't worry. It will. It will. I'm sure. (laughs) But look, folks, let us know what you think. uh, What was the highs and lows for you? You can comment on Twitter. uh, You can reply to us at 3IL pod. Oh, I just want to throw out there before we wrap up. I wanted to wish uh, you guys, the fans of the New York Metropolitans, a very happy Bobby Bonilla day. I don't think we can end recording without uh, acknowledging that special day. One you point, interrupted 1.21 million. 1.21 million to the 53-year-old today. But but we can apparently uh, sign up to like have an Airbnb night now with him. Did you say this? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. No, I'm, 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 I'm not making this up. So this is like a uh, the, the New York Mets like had this very cryptic thing uh, like big news coming tomorrow. They said this yesterday, and I was sitting there like, oh, maybe we're gonna pay off this guy, and like he's gonna accept thought. a bulk payment to finish it off. 
And the Mets put out here, this Bobby Bonilla day, Bobby is heading to the plate to host an Airbnb stay at City Field in the ultimate Mets overnight experience. Starting on July 8th at noon, Mets fans can request to book one night at City Field on July 28th. And I guess Bobby Bonilla is going to be there. And And in small print, it says, Bobby talked the Mets into paying for it. So I could, hold hold on. Just just so we're we're all clear what's going on. I can pay money. To spend a night in a room with Bobby Bonilla. Well, I don't know if with you're like gonna be a, in the room. Like he'll a, be in like the a stadium. Man. With you. Well, he'll be in the stadium with you. He'll probably have his own room. <laughs> yeah, They're gonna make wanna... him sleep at home plate, Colin. He's just walking sleep. around with the million dollars in a backpack. <laughs> oh man. Nope. I don't want I don't want any part of this. The man hit like like 165 for us. No. The the best part is Colin thought I was making a joke, and then it's like, no, this is a real Mets thing. Because you just told me I, that I could pay to spend a night in a room with a sixty year old ex MLB player. That's just not something that I get told for. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, if you're a Mets fan, there there you go. So if that, I'm a Mets fan, <laughs> yeah, there, I will. There you go. I will. I will not be doing that uh, because <laughs> yeah, I no, have I'm no pass interest. On that one. Uh, I have no interest in that at all, but I mean, Hey, you know, it's, uh, at this point, it's something of a thing of legend. We've got 15 years to go, I think. So, uh, it's, uh, it, it's one of those odd mess legends that will just kind of continue on and on. And if we do win a world series here, we're just going to have to throw him in the parade. As Give him like a, a ring. Float. <laughs> He's still yeah, on the payroll. I mean... Give him a ring. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But look, if you've got thoughts on the 2020-2021 Syracuse season, uh, comment on our Facebook, 3 Idiots and a Lawyer. Tweet at us at 3 Pod. Reach out to us. Give us some questions for the mailbag as season two gets uh, started. 3IdiotsLawyer at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, let us know your thoughts. Have some, uh, and we'll read some of those. And uh, as we... Turn the page to looking at season two. Like I said, we've got the basketball tournament. We're not too far from Syracuse football returning to camp uh, about a month from now. We're going to have a lot to talk about on that. And if we want, maybe uh, since we didn't do an MLB preview show, maybe we'll make Joe and Brett happy and have a halfway point discussion about Major League Baseball and what surprised us, what didn't surprise us, things like that. Certainly, the Mets being in first place of the NL East in in July still has me shocked. Uh, how uh, much they are... may not be there on July third, however. The Nats are no, surging, no. surging. They are behind because Kyle of one Schwarber, player, more or less. <laughs> I saw him hit three home runs. I've also learned that Nats fans get very angry if you say that you don't like the Baby Shark song. <laughs> Nobody I, likes I, the Baby Shark song. No, I know it's an annoying song. No offense. I mean, no, and Gerardo like, Parra is not even a good baseball player. It's just right. You know, it's just one of those I things. Happen, uh, look, they were all doing the shark chant thing, and I said, "All right, let's strike him out." And he he hit a double to his credit. You know, it was his first at bat. He hit a double, and this guy who was all alone at a Nats game turned around, looks at me and goes, that's for you. Uh, and I'm thinking, really, did I get under your skin that much? <laughs> Maybe Sark song is like the like Teletubbies. Like nobody actually likes the Teletubbies. They're just kind of like scared into, you know, forced to actually like deal with them. 
Come on, Matt. You never cross a grown man by himself going do 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 Oh, yeah. I had to laugh. I was like, wow. All right. Well, you know. Anyway, so I have learned not to make fun of the Baby Shark song, even though it is an annoying song. And so, look. That's all we have for season one of Three Idiots and a Lawyer. And what an odd way to end <laughs> talking about the Baby Shark song. Always, but, always know where it end with Baby Shark and Teletubbies. Oh, my God. Well, look, uh, it's going to be a fantastic season two. And we just want to say thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, you're the ones that make this so much fun because it's just great to get to talk to the Syracuse sports with each other and, and uh, to – Tell you what we're thinking, and, and we're hopefully going to have some things to get you guys more involved here as we roll into the second season. But for now, we're going to say so long. If you have the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know. We want to know where it is. We want to know it's safe. Even though now it looks like we may be adding some trophies in the next couple of years, we still want to know where this one is. So for Joe Shell, Colin Lerner, I am Matt Pfeiffer. We're going to take you out. A little montage of the sounds of and highlights and lowlights of the 2020-2021 Syracuse sports season. We'll see you in season two. Tucker towards the goal line for Tucker and in for his second touchdown. Cutcliffe and the Blue Devils. They win it over Dino Babers and the Orange inside the Carrier Dome. Up the middle, Pete Pickett, touchdown Liberty. 16-yard burst up the middle. The Flames are pouring it on here in the Dome. Trevor's throwing two touchdown passes in this first half. Middle of the field, off the hands of Rodgers. Intercepted by Garrett Williams. His first career interception, and Williams will house it for the Orange. Orange will have to hurry quickly. Can't spike it. It is fourth down. They get it snapped, and he spikes it. And the ball game will end. Dola job. Kick out. Gerard. And a three. So back to back triples. And one for Tiana on the drive. Dolajai in for Griffin from half court to tie it, and it's no good. Hit on the road, secures the win, 63-60. What a comeback effort by the Panthers. 
81 points the most Virginia has scored in a game against Syracuse. This is the 15th meeting all time. He went 6-10 from 3 in that game to bring them back from a 20-point deficit. They're trying to come from 20-plus down again tonight. Bayheim feeling it. And there to drop it in was Richmond. But Syracuse hangs on for a win that will put Jim Bayheim's team back on the bubble. Going right at Cardozo. Cardozo blocks Soul with authority. Buddy Bayheim a three in transition. Bayheim left open. 27 for Buddy Bayheim. Gerard. This is third. Goodness. Corner. Braswell wide open. That's huge. Oh, oh selfish. Oh, you're right. Mangakahia nails her second three. Lewis swipes it away. Mangakahia. Textbook. Pressure and basket. 83-47. Connecticut will get the win. And the clock's going to run out on Syracuse. The Houston Cougars out of the American. Advancing to the Elite Eight off the end of the back, down the line, and oh, what a catch! Harris Woods! Seaball beats Road, four straight by the Cuse. Duke, with its man-down defense, stands tall. What a goal! How did he score that one? He had to bank that off of a North Carolina player. Let's take a look at that again as Dordovic is the one player offensively for Syracuse who's really having a big day. Carolina's been relentless. A lot of times when you hit the double digits with a two in the beginning, a 20, you call off the horses. And Syracuse holds on for a two-goal win. I didn't see this coming. Either did you. The Hoyas hand Syracuse one of its worst postseason losses. The Hoyas on to the quarters. Finds Ward. Sidewinder goes in. It's a youth movement here in Towson and Syracuse pouring it on Northwestern. 10-2 Orange. Dream is alive for the Syracuse Orange. A convincing 21 to 13 win against the Big Ten champs Northwestern. Good afternoon and thank you for joining us as we formally announce Gary Yate as the Roy D. Simmons Jr. head bends the cross coach at Syracuse University.